I was in Union. I was a junior at Union and walked into the ministry office one day and they said, we want you to do a revival team. And usually when you did revival teams, you got um, great churches, but you got Flatwoods, Tennessee. I don't even know if there is a Flatwoods, Tennessee, but you got small country churches out of the way and you came in for a weekend and did revival. Well, Larry had requested a revival team of union students to come to College Heights. And uh, I, I said, I'll do that. And Susan and I were dating at the time uh, or kind of dating or friends who hung out all the time. I'm not real sure. But that was not allowed. You couldn't bring. And I said, well, I want Susan to go. And then I want two or three other people to go. So we went and did the Disciple Now uh, revival team at College Heights. And uh, just... Um, Got to know the Gilmores. Susan, I think, actually stayed in y'all's house that uh, uh, weekend. They have a daughter, Karis, who came to Union that uh, next year and got to know them. And then uh, it's just been uh, good for me to know them. In fact, the two people that will be up here tonight, you can either thank or blame at the end of the night. Because outside of the Lord's leading, the two people most responsible for me being at Goodlettsville are Larry Gilmore and Alan Searcy. Alan was the search committee chairman. He called Larry to get some names. Uh, Larry got in contact with me, said, hey, I've given your name to this guy. He's a good guy if he calls you. And that started the conversation from there. Uh, even last year, I, I'd say sometimes, I've said this from the pulpit a couple of times, you can always, as you grow older and you have kids, you, you respect people by the way they treat your kids. And last year, in, we were going to the Southern Baptist Convention, and we got to the airport, and it was, uh, it was I, I, all I remember is I had sweated through everything I had for some reason. I don't know if it was hot or if I just was tense. And the Gilmores took care of Maddie for a long time in the airport. We ended up flying with the whole Tennessee Baptist Convention crew up there. We had an airplane. They sat near us, and that didn't bother them that they sat near us. Uh, on the plane, and so I, I'm excited that they're here tonight. Alan's actually going to moderate because he's known Larry longer than I have. Uh, Larry was Alan's pastor for a, a while and really was influential, and uh, Alan can tell you more of this than I can, but was influential in Alan starting to think towards what God was going to do with him. And so Larry's going to come. I'm going to ask Larry and Alan to come, and they're just going to kind of talk a little bit about evangelism tonight. All right. Good to be here. Thank you guys for coming out. We go way back, about 1976, I think. Way back. <laughs> and we had, uh, he knocked on my door three Saturdays in a row before I finally went to church. And uh, I have an excuse. The second Saturday, though, I got called, the Sunday I got called into work. But uh, one of the greatest things that happened to me was to get to know him. He was a young pastor in new church. I was uh, immature Christian and young and, uh, and just uh, was, a, was a wonderful experience. He is a friend. He's been a mentor and an encourager. And like I say, my pastor, he'll always be my pastor to some degree. I have another great one. But uh, I consider him a pastor. And uh, just uh, been influential in my life. And I appreciate him. He knows a lot on me. I know some things on him. So we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> But, uh, and so I, I'm privileged to have him and his lovely wife, Linda, who is, if is a saint in this world, she's sitting right there, folks, in my opinion. Okay, she is a super lady and has been good to me over the years as well. So, uh, uh, leading into this, too, 
this guy has a heart for lost people. I've seen it my whole acquaintance that I've had with him over the years. I've seen him witness to people. So I know his heart. And so it excites me for him. To, he's not just someone in a position. He's someone that lives that and believes in it. And so it's, why it's so encouraging to me for him to come and share with us. And, uh, and two or three of the things we want to talk about tonight is just the challenges out there of, of trying to witness in today's society and trying to evangelize and, and some effective ways we can do that. I know y'all go to Bonnaroo every year, some things like that, which sounds off the wall, but they've come up, he's made a difference in that department there to come up with some innovative ways to reach people because it's not the same as it was 30 years ago sharing the gospel. The people are the same. They're still lost. They still need Jesus. But sometimes we have to approach it a little bit different. So you feel free to go where you want to. But we participate in GPS and, and talk about that a little more and just uh, what you see as challenges. And okay. Well, uh, what do you, you want to go towards GPS first? Or? Yeah, talk a little bit about that because we were in participating kind of, kind of in that on the end and, and was trying to. Okay. You know, I think one of the exciting things here is is. It's been a long time since Tennessee Baptists and Southern Baptists have worked together in evangelism. Now, we talk about it, but, but in terms of actually grassroots churches coming together and, and saying this is a together thing, let's try to impact our, our communities, this is the best thing we've done that I can remember in my entire ministry of uh, 45 years. Um, and... Uh, and, and, and it started It started in Tennessee slowly. Really, it came about when Frank Page was mm-hmm. president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, Frank is now the um, uh, president of the executive committee um, and uh, SBC. And, uh, but Frank, Frank said to the North American Mission Board, we need some kind of a national evangelism initiative. Southern Baptists need to recognize we have a world out here that needs Jesus. North America does. And, and, and we have the message. Jesus Christ, and, and we need to be able to deliver that message and work together in a more intentional way. So out of that came uh, the directors of evangelism from all the state conventions coming together, as well as the uh, professors of evangelism from our Southern Baptist seminaries, and then uh, the uh, evangelism team of North American Mission Board. And out of that, we came into some work groups, began to uh, pray together and brainstorm together and work together and say, you know, what, do we, what needs to happen for us to, to get out there and make an impact upon our world? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can we be more effective and fruitful? And so four, four markers, it came out, you know, well, God's plan for sharing. What is his plan? And with a GPS, it's supposed to get you to where you want to go mm-hmm. and, and help you to remember where you've been. And so uh, out of that, the, a spiritual GPS, which uh, talks about, first of all, we need to pray together. And secondly, we need to um, um, equip people to do evangelism. We need to sow the seed and then, fourthly, reap the harvest. And, and so that was kind of put in place. And uh, many of the state conventions did this last year on the introduction of GPS, doing their across North America. And, um, and we had been scheduled to do across Tennessee in 2011, so we stayed with that. And, and it was kind of slow getting started, getting, mm-hmm. getting people on board, trying to get, you know how it is with volunteers, we're all volunteers. And how do you get volunteers on board? Very slowly, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, it, and it kind of grows. They have to catch the, the vision, the dream, and, and it has to build. And, and uh, 
uh, and the same way with the church. You, you know, your, your, your staff may present a dream, a vision, and uh, as they dream those dreams, and, and, and people say, well, I don't know, you know. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, someone says, hey, you know, I, I think this may be where God wants us to go. And, and, and it just kind of slowly begins to build. And then others catch the vision. That's kind of the way it was in Tennessee. And so uh, when we look, look, look at this, we realize that, that it's not something we're just passing down. It's, it's something that a local church can have a vision for. And, and I guess the thing that we've seen out of the uh, GPS across Tennessee, Alan, has been that um, uh, churches who did their prayer walking and then their gospel distribution, uh, people would come back and they've been saying over the last couple of weeks, uh, wow, we're seeing our community like we've never seen our community. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know, one lady, one lady said, uh, I was in the middle, middle of um, prayer walking, and she said, God just spoke to my heart and said, why haven't you been doing this? And she said, I just had to confess my mm-hmm. sin of apathy yeah. and, and also just say, God, forgive me. This won't happen again. I'm going to be praying intentionally for my neighborhood and for the people around me and looking for ways to, to share the gospel with them. Yeah. And so that has been a growing thing. And I, I would say this year, as you were involved with that, from Memphis to Mountain City, we've had probably 40,000 people, uh, approximately 40,000, maybe some more, maybe a few less, that have been involved in doing the prayer walking and gospel distribution. And we've touched with the gospel distribution uh, between 900,000 and a million homes Amen. in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And so uh, that's pretty phenomenal. And, um, and then we're getting ready to kick off what's called reaching across North America, which is the 2012 emphasis, uh, which will be uh, a focus on attractional events. Uh, I'm sure here it's not this way. People are probably knocking your doors down to come in, aren't they? The lost people. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, that's kind of the response I get everywhere, you know. Yeah. And so, how do we how do we draw? How do we yeah. have contact with people who really don't give a rip about coming into a worship center? They drive up and down the road outside. And uh, mm-hmm. we had some deacons at College Heights several years ago. We were meeting in the worship center for a deacons <laughs> meeting, for the island. And uh, one of them said, "What what does our community think about us?" You know, I said, they drive down this road. What do they think about us? And I said, well, let's, we'll start asking some questions. We begin asking some questions in the community. You know what we found out? They don't think about us at all. At all. Yeah. They don't care what we do inside this box. Yeah. You know, uh, just as long as we don't get involved in their lives and affect them and get in their way of what they want to do. Exactly. And so uh, that's the challenge that we have uh, of, of how do we touch their lives what can we offer, whether it's a wild game dinner, a, a big mm-hmm. festival, or, or something that's going mm-hmm. to give us contact with, with lost people? Yeah. Trying to be innovative and finding exactly. a way to, to reach them. What are some things that y'all have found to be successful? And, and, you know, talk about some of the things I know, like, for instance, the Bonnaroo thing that y'all do in different things. And the motorcycle ministry, I know you've done that. But that's thinking outside the box, folks, to find a way to say, hey, there's folks out here that will respond to us. We just may need to meet them where they're at. It's, y- y'all are all familiar with Bonnaroo, right? You know, 
I, I tell people that Lynn and I go to Bonnaroo and they just kind of look at us like a mule looks at a new gate. You know, the mouth drops open. And I said, you know, we're, we're good at spending thousands and tens of thousands of dollars in sending missionaries from our local churches to other parts of the world. And I said, I think it is a sin when we go on mission trips and... Uh, and then sit at home when the mission field comes to us. Mm-hmm. We've got 80,000 people, 90,000 people from all over the world that come to Manchester, Tennessee every year. And so uh, we go down and, and uh, work with a group of uh, believers there and churches there. And um, Brenton College Pastor First Baptist in uh, Manchester is coordinating that this year. And a couple of associations are working together. But set up a 40 by 60 tent. And... Uh, and, and have tables out there and have literature. We offer an Internet cafe where people can come in, check their emails, and do all of that. And, and, but interesting thing, when they go on our Internet cafe, they also, before they can get in, they, they hear a gospel testimony. You know? and, uh, but we have, we have folks, we have 70, 75-year-old ladies who will come down, men too, but ladies will come down, and they'll serve. They'll, they'll serve coffee and tea, and we have oranges and apples and bananas. We, we don't compete with the vendors other than through just the fruit, the coffee, donuts, and all that every day. So people come in, and out there in these little tents, when, they, when it gets 7 o'clock, you know, the sun begins beating down, their tents become saunas. So they get out, and they come to this big tent where we have uh, uh, fans and all of that, and sit down. we just sit down and talk with them. I mean, they come in, they, they're dressed everywhere. You know, you just... Hey, get over it, you know, and uh, and you have to just accept them where they are. But uh, last year, I think we had folks that came to the tent from 11 different countries, uh, uh, probably close to, uh, I think we ended up counting like 47 states where they had, we give a, put the tablecloths out, plastic tablecloths, put markers and say, right on our tablecloths, you know, tell us where you're from, that type of thing. And, and, uh, and they do that. So. It's interesting just to sit down and it's, it's servant evangelism. You're there to listen. They, they call on us, you know, they get injured, they have a call, and they, their car is blocked in, they can't get out, they need to go to the airport, bus station, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, just different needs. Most, a lot of them run out of money. Some, believe it or not, come with no money. And uh, uh, some slip in, no, don't even buy the $250 ticket. They just slip under the fence and come in. And they, they don't, some of them don't even have tents. And so we've had them come in, sleep under our tables. We, we've, we've helped them till 3 and 4 in the morning look for their tent when they couldn't find it. And I'm talking about you know, a Georgia Tech professor. You know, I'm not talking about teenagers, you know. It's just a wild, wild place. But we sit there and interact. And for many times, it's not going to grow our churches here. But it's planting seeds Amen. where some, someplace, someone is going to water that and, and God's going to give the, in, the increase. In fact, I received an email yesterday from a fellow named Barry Nathanson. It's interesting. I met Barry three years ago. Barry is a Jew from New York who lives in Thailand uh, in a 17,000 square foot teak house that he bought from a uh, a foreclosure, believe it or not, in Thailand. It was a, actually, it was a drug lord. A lady drug lord lived there and got busted and lost the house, and he bought it. And, uh, and so he lives over there 10 months out of the year and comes over here for two months and makes a living. And, uh, uh, and I said, Barry, what do, you, what, do you, what do you sell? He said, well, uh, he said, we sell pipes where people can smoke. 
And uh, when I went down and saw all those glass pipes, he said, now, this is for just, you know, tobacco. But um, I don't know all that they do with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's making tens of thousands of dollars uh, just in one event. Uh, uh, because they and it's wide open down there where they're buying them for smoke marijuana, mm-hmm. and uh, but but I've been sharing Christ with him for three years and interacting, and and he he's called me from Thailand, he's called me from New York, he's called me from Coney Island, mm-hmm. and and we would and we just he carries my card with him, and uh, and I've shared Christ and shared Christ and shared Christ. He was very close to becoming a Christian at one point in time, and being confused, he saw this sign uh, billboard that said. Um, uh, uh, interested in Christianity? Call me. And gave a number. And it, was, it happened to be a Jewish rabbi who was uh, feeling that Christianity was a, uh, the kind of culture that the Jew didn't get, need to get involved in. And so he was counteracting the witnessing of Christians. And Barry said, I got confused, and since then I've just, uh, just been wandering. But uh, I'm saying that's a seed that's planted. And, and if God brings the name of Barry to you, pray for Barry. Loving, gracious guy. He just needs to know Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and he knows that, that if he gets saved, he knows the Lord's going to take away his business from him. So that's a pretty, I mean, you know, that's a pretty significant decision, not just spiritually, but economically and yeah, everything. Exactly. But, but that's what Bonnaroo's all about. It's just, it's, it's planting seeds. And, uh, but while we do that with this crowd, the mission field that comes to Bonnaroo, oh, by the way, the devil pays for them to get here. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pay for them to get here. The mission field comes to us. But think about it. The mission field around us, how do we approach them? You plant seeds. You plant mm-hmm. seeds. Yeah. And you find in that setting, you think people wouldn't be responsive, but they actually are. And, 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 and we'll talk with you if we meet them on a, on a level that that respects them for who they are, I think. You know, the way, the way we approach that there is, is really the way you approach anyone. Um, you know, when I mean, we start there with just saying, you know, hey, we're glad you guys are here. You know, who'd you come to hear? What band? And uh, they'll, they'll name this band. I say, oh, really? You know, I say, what's, uh, what's their message? You know, I mean, I don't have a clue who these bands are, most of them, you know. And so I say, what, what's, what's their message? Do they have any particular message that they're trying to get out? And some of them know, some of them don't. But, um, uh, you know, and I say, what, you know, what's your philosophy of life? I mean, you know, you hit upon spiritual things initially. They're not going to, a lot of them aren't going to listen or be involved. But I say, what's your philosophy of life? Why, why are you here? What do you want to learn or what do you want to gain from this? You know, what's life all about to you? You know, you just start there and listen. And some of them you have an avenue to be able to go on, uh, you know. And, and uh, you know, and, and basically I, I usually come back with them like this on something. I say, you know, if you're really looking for purpose in life, and a lot of these folks are, you know, they're wondering what life's all about. If you're, if you're really looking for purpose, there's, there's one event in, in history that you have to seriously consider. What's that? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did it happen or did it not? I don't ever think about it. I said, you know, if you're really serious about looking for a purpose in life and investigating all the possibilities, you have to consider that. Because here's the thing. If Jesus Christ, I said, you know, have you ever met anyone who rose from the dead? Well, no, you know. I said, then if someone rose from the dead, isn't there a good possibility they, they might be God? Okay, 
you know. I said, well, if Jesus rose from the dead, after being dead for three days, I suspect he's God. Now, if he, if he didn't, then you can just pitch it and forget about it and say, go on your way. You know, this is just some kind of religious craze, you know. But I, but I said, you can't just say, I don't believe that, and not seriously investigate it and look at what others have said and, and uh, uh, those who, who believe and those who've said, he's changed my life. I believe this, that he died for me, rose again from the grave, and, and he's changed my life. He's, he's introduced me to God. Uh, you know, and so it's been interesting. We've, uh, we've just seen those seeds planted. God has to take it from there. But, but out here in our communities, we, I think the, the, the challenge before us is where you live, where you work, the people you rub shoulders with, how do you, how do you um, make a difference? And, and I think it starts, first of all, with our life. And, and the group that's here tonight would say that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. The, the other would be how do we get into conversations with neighbors, co-workers, family? Yeah. Uh, boy, that's, it's tough many times. But here's, here's the thing. How many of you have said with someone who's moved in uh, to a community, to your community, a neighbor, or... Uh, Maybe someone who's come to work where you work, and you're, you're thinking, boy, I'd like to invite them to church. I'd like to talk to them, you know. But I don't want to just come in the first time I meet them, Alan, and, mm-hmm. and just uh, kind of pounce on them and say, you know, I, I'm going to get to know them a little better. Anybody ever done that mm-hmm. besides me? You know. And so we wait. How long we wait? A week? Two weeks? Two months? Two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we wait. We've waited like that, and then... Then there's another question that comes up. Wow, we've talked about sports, we've talked about family, we've talked about this, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never talked to him about the Lord. They know I go to church, but how do I get into the conversation? Mm-hmm. You ever had that thought? And I found the best way to do is just suck it up and apologize. Alan, I need to, I need to talk to you, friend. I need to apologize to you. What's he thinking? What for? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do, Alan? We've worked together mm-hmm. for two years now, mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked about everything under the sun, become pretty good friends. But you know, and I, I need to ask you to forgive me because I've never, we've never talked, and I've never shared with you the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. Amen. So what's he thinking? What's the most important thing that's ever happened in your life? May I share that with you, Alan? And you ask permission. Yeah. And what, what would he say? Sure. Sure. And so you begin to tell your story. Now, how do, you, how, do you, how do you put your story together? I think there are three basic elements of your sharing your story. First of all, what was your life like before you received Christ? Mm-hmm. You may have been young. You may have been middle-aged. You may have been an adult. Now, you're not there to tell him your life history because he doesn't have time to listen to it. You know, in fact, in introduction, I, I, Lyle, I, I would say to people, uh, you know, we go through a study and, and it teaches us on a Sunday night a lot of times and in, a, in groups around tables. And we work out and we share our story, uh, work out in writing our story so that we can share it in about a minute to minute, 10 or 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
You say, well, that's not very long. Well, you don't have very long with most people. You can always expand it. But what was your life like before you received Christ? And I would encourage you to even consider writing that part down, my life before I received Christ, and go home and write two or three statements about that. Then the second part, how did you realize you needed Jesus? And what did you do to get him into your life? It's the second part of your outline of your testimony. How did you realize you needed Jesus and what did you do to get him into your life? And, And I would probably encourage you, write down two or three statements about that. Now, here's what, here's what you have to consider when you're, when you're uh, going to communicate with someone how you realize you needed Jesus and got him into your life. Uh, I'm going I'm to share a little bit here just for a second. And you tell me if you understand what I'm saying. Well, I, I went to this church, but uh, I was convicted. And uh, I walked down the aisle. I went to the altar and I prayed through. And boy, I want to tell you, it's been good since then. Okay. I'm in a church. Do you understand a little bit what I just said? Yeah. But did I say anything? Didn't tell you squat. Mm. I was convicted. How much time did you get? Yeah, what? <laughs> you know, I walked down an aisle, and then old boy's thinking, or some lady's thinking, well, I did that one time. Ah, that was a mistake. Don't want to do that again. I'm just telling you, you know, we we have this churchy language. I went to the altar. I prayed through. What'd you pray through? What'd you get through? What'd you have to break through? You see, they don't understand that. (laughs) And so we have to somehow have a conversion of how do we communicate the way the outsider out there is going to understand. Because uh, we know this. We've been most... A lot of you have been around here like I have and, and out a long time, and we know this church lingo, you know, and, and we're comfortable with understanding how we communicate with that, what we say, you know, justification, sanctification, glorification. Well, I know what that means. Many of you know what that means biblically. They're good terms, but those people out there don't understand. So, yeah, man, who wants to be washed in the blood? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, I gutted a deer one time, and I tell you what, I had blood all over me. I washed it off as soon as I could. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what they're thinking. What they're you know, they don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus and what it means. So, ha- you know, how did you realize you needed Jesus, and how did you get him into your life? How do you co- explain that in non-churchy language? And then, what difference has he made? How's he impacted your life personally? Your peace? Your your purpose, your family relationships, your uh, getting forgiveness from others and, and forgiving. How's he impacted all of that? And, uh, but, see, that's, somehow that's what the world out there needs to, to be able to hear. And, and we can say, Alan, I messed up, man. I, yeah. I, I've never talked to you about this. May I share it with you? And you, you share your story. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do in family? Lucy brought up oh. family. Uh, I think you'd come back and you do the same thing. You're sitting down with a with a son, a daughter. You know, I, I think you you began to say, you know, Josh, my son's Josh. I say, Josh, son, you know I love you, and uh, I do anything in the world for you. And uh, but I, I need to ask your forgiveness. They're just growing up. I I didn't give you the attention you needed. 
you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I, I was harsh when I disciplined you. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't give you guidance like I maybe should have, and I, I didn't do everything right, son. You know that. You know, and uh, I just want to ask you to forgive me. Maybe good parents, but I'm saying there are things that you know. If there's a need there, then you can say, "I, I want to ask your forgiveness." Uh, I, I think another, as you do that, you know, you can just say, "I want you to know I'm not going to preach to you." But man, I want you to know my, my heart's broken because I know the difference that I know what Jesus does in a person's life, and and I'm not going to push you because no one can push you. But uh, uh, I just want you to know, boy, I'm I'm longing. I want you to know the difference that Christ can make. I want you to know His purpose. I don't want you to to miss life. Uh, and that's my heart's desire. And I'm. I'm praying for that. Uh, I'd be glad to talk to you about it, you know, some more. I, I think you can approach your children with that confessional and, and let them know your heart's desire. They say, look, Dad, I, I don't want to hear it, you know. You know, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend you. I just, my love compels me to just let you know that even though I... Don't say a lot about it because I know you don't want to hear it. But but it, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking about you and your relationship with the Lord. I want you to have the best. And I know that only God's way is the best. It's, you, you have to break ice. You have to break the ice. And, and yet you can't... You know, if they get mad and 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 uh, Dad, all you do is preach. You know, do that. Let me let me say, my son and daughter and their families are all living for Jesus. I'm thankful for that. Amen. We're blessed and uh, I'm grateful. But but you know, our children could have gone another direction. I mean, they they have the choice. Uh, but uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed, and I know folks who pray and pray and pray, and their children go another direction. Uh, but, uh, you know, so they come back at you kind of hard. Say, Dad, all you do is preach. You know, say, sorry, son. Don't mean to offend you. Yeah. Don't, don't become, well, oh, you're so hard-headed. I, you don't ever listen to anybody. <laughs> you can't come back like that. You just have to swallow it and, uh, and say, I love you. And I want God's best for you. So, mm-hmm. It can be tough sometimes, can it? It, it yeah. can be. It, Kind of what, just feeding off what he was just talking about. Any questions from you guys right now, kind of on where he is with that particular type thing or, or ways he can help? Because, you know, I've seen this guy sharing a lot of different settings and, and he knows how to do it and knows how to do it without turning people off. In all across the state of Tennessee, the statistics and surveys will tell you that between. Uh, 75 and 85 percent in every county are not in church on a given Sunday. Get outside of our box. Uh, recognize that as we live every day, uh, uh, we're on the biggest mission field that we can find. There are, there are uh, uh, let's say, it, in, in the state of Tennessee, probably in the state of Tennessee, we have 6.3 million people. Population. The last 
last census account. Uh, of that, from answers that are given to surveys, for example, someone gives a, uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means you have to be baptized. It means you have to uh, do good works. Uh, or how is a person saved? You know, they give a works answer. Well, I sure wouldn't want to stand before the Lord with a works answer to that question. It's a faith answer. It's a receiving Christ. But of, of, of those answers, they will say then that uh, a good 3.5 million to 4 uh, million folks out of 6.3 do not have a relationship with God. And uh, that's right here in the Bible Belt. You get out to Colorado, you'll find instead of 75 to 85 percent, so that means 15 to 25 percent do go to church. Uh, in Colorado, it's like 5%. You get up in other states, and it's, it's very, very, very small. Because uh, I think 15, 25 is pretty small uh, in terms of attendance. And we're in the Bible Belt. So uh, another interesting thing I heard, heard this week, uh, and I don't remember where I heard it or whether I read it. Uh, I've reached that stage. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, I, and I can't I don't even recall the figure now. But... But the word was, there is a great interest in Jesus today. There's a surging interest in Jesus, but not in the church. And, and while some of us might have a hard time with that and say, well, you know, if they're interested in Jesus, they ought to be interested in church. But what they've seen, they've seen us. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Gandhi. I'd become a Christian, but I met some. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ed Stetzer, who's done a lot of research with Tom Rayner from Lifeway. And Ed's on staff at Lifeway as a researcher. Uh, Ed's the one who started the church ministry. Uh, Tom Rayner from Lifeway's son, um, I believe this is it, Jeff? Jeff is, Jess, Jess Rayner is the uh, executive, I think maybe the executive pastor. And a couple other guys are, have gone together. They are, they are um, they're targeting that group that wouldn't be caught dead in their own coffin inside of a church house, you know. And, and, they're, and they're also targeting those that have been hurt and offended in churches, kind of turned off. It's, they're, I, don't think, I don't think they will compromise the gospel. I'm confident they won't and don't. But they're trying to give a new twist that to at least attract some of those folks that are not going to come to First Baptist Hendersonville, where we're members, or, or, or College Heights, where I was pastor for many years, or, or First Baptist Goodlesville. Uh, people who won't come here and come to our churches. But they might go to a movie theater, you know, because they go to the movie all the time, movies all the time. And, uh, and they'll hear the gospel. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a, just a different twist, but yet, and, and churches are doing it all across America. Uh, house church movement, even a lot of churches uh, in, in traditional churches would come back and try to have uh, a movement of small groups outside the building is to connect with some of those folks. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things you said there is is is, is something that we need to learn, and that is we need to learn to be good listeners. We need to ask the questions, and uh, and and of course that's that's one of the one of the key things in family or. Other relationships. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, inviting someone to church is not the gospel. You know, uh, 
lot of people say, but I'm a good person. You know, they take pride in being a good person. And uh, at, at some point, if, if, we're going to, if we're going to share Christ with someone, at some point we have to get into, you, you have to share Him. And you have to share what happened in His life, the, the death, burial, you know, His resurrection. Uh, you know, and, and I think while, while I've, I've made some statements, you know, this is what, what I would try to do or try to do this, try to do that. Uh, but all in the process, whether it's a, a co-worker, whether it's a family, whether it's a neighbor, um, you know, you do have to ask those questions, and, and I do. Let me say, I, I'm not the pro. I don't have all the answers, you know, and, um, and I don't want to come across to you that way because you know better. But I don't want to come across to that person I'm speaking with that I have all the answers in life, you know. Uh, I, I will, you know, in my testimony, I would share, you know, I've had struggles. I've had struggles with, with, in, with, with faith. I've, I've had doubts. Uh, things that I've worked through. You know, you can intersperse your testimony with those, with those different things. And every test, once you work your testimony out of even sharing it in a brief way, according to who the person is and where they are and questions that you have asked and what you know about them, your testimony emphasis changes. You know, you may start with this is the approach that I'm taking. I mean, one approach is better than no approach. You know, but as you get to know someone and kind of know whether whether they are hurting and what their fears are or what their questions are, your testimony might speak to that. You might to one person and another person. You might take a different different direction. Uh, but yeah, you you have to get into you know the good news. How how do you you know would you use scripture? You know there are different approaches. Here, here's the thing. A lot of, have any of how many of you been through faith? The faith emphasis. Okay, so two, three here. How many of you been through EE? Okay, another. Okay, CWT. Got one back here. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> okay, here's here's what I'm saying. I call those the green beret approaches to evangelism. So what you have is a small minority, you know, small minority of the military are, are, were the Green Berets, the Delta Force, and, and all of this. Uh, they may go in for some tough ones, but just like that group of folks called pastors and preachers, by themselves, they're not going to win the world to Christ. It's the layman. It's the layman on the street. It's the everyday Christian that's going to have to somehow impact the world. And while you may be equipped to use Roman Road or one verse evangelism, Romans six twenty three, and learn how to do that, uh, way of the master. I mean, there are all kinds of approaches. The thing that most people know better than anything, thing you know better, you know yourself, and you know your story. And if you put your story together with the gospel of what Jesus has done in your life, I think trying to equip the masses, brother Lyle. Uh, to plant those seeds out there with their story. That's where they're going to feel more comfortable. And then they can get in to opening up Scripture and sharing. And, and, and certainly we, we want to get there, but not everyone's going to be there to begin with. So that's why I would emphasize using your story initially. And then as, you know, does this make sense to you? You ask the person. Have you thought about that? You know, uh, 
you know, and, and you say, well, how else can I get into a conversation? Well, if you, if you, if you work out that one, two, three, my life before Christ and, and, and my life, how I realized I needed him and asked him in my life, you know, you may talk to a person who's new in town and say, oh, well, Alan, you know, you guys just moved to town. I don't, I don't know if y'all are looking for a church or not. Uh, I mean, you know, you may just be real casual. I found this. The people out there that you talk to are not going to be as near as hesitant to talk with you about that as you are to talk with them about it. See, so I said, you know, Alan, uh, you know, and, and you know, y'all looking for a church, or have y'all found a church yet? Well, no, we don't, we don't go to church. Well, yeah, you know, hey, okay. The reason I ask you that is there was a time in my life when that's a transitional statement. I ask you that there's a, because there was a time in my life when. What am I going to share with them? I'm going to share that one minute, one minute, ten second testimony of my life before Christ, how I realized I needed him, got him in my life, and the difference he's made. But, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but, uh, uh, you know, listen, I'd, I'd love to invite you to my church. and just want you to know I'd love to love to take you if you have an interest. You know. You've opened that door a little bit. Yeah, you opened the door. Mm-hmm. So, yes, ma'am. Be honest. Just be, be transparent. You know, you know, when you start to tell your story, say, you know, I, maybe you grew up in church, grew up going to church, parents maybe didn't, you didn't, so you didn't know. Uh, you know, uh, when I first heard about the gospel, heard about Jesus, and heard that he died for me, you know, I, 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 you know, whatever you did, you know, I struggled with that for a while. Did it really happen? Uh, or I believed that, and I, I realized I needed the Lord. You know, whatever you say, and I ask him to come into my life, but... There's a lot I didn't understand. You just tell me. I didn't understand. Over the years, I've, I, I've, I've grown in my relationship with God. Because I know I received Jesus. I asked Him to save me, forgive me. That word saved, I mean, you know, you can use it, but then you might explain it. I began a relationship with God, and, and this is how He's grown me. This is what's happened in my life. Uh, you know, you know and, and I think the thing you do, first of all, you just realize... Not everyone's going to be there saying, man, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Most aren't. You know, so what, what do you do? You know, I think you affirm them when they, they say things. Well, I, I don't understand. Just say, you know, you're not by yourself. There are a lot of us that started and didn't understand, uh, you know. But what do we do when we don't understand something? We start trying to find out what are some of those answers, you know. Uh, it may be an opportunity to say, would you have an interest in maybe doing a Bible study sometime? You know, I mean, that may be a possibility. And, and if you're not comfortable uh, there, or would you like to, 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 what kind of questions would you have in your, you know, and I don't have all the answers, but I'd, I'd be glad to journey with you in trying to find some answers. You know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, maybe... Uh, you know the thing is, we we have to live. We have to just be be open, and and we have to be straight with them, and uh, uh, and, and and recognize that for some it's going to take a long time, and they may be years, like my friend Barry. You know, so you can't beat them over the head with the Bible. That's for sure. Okay. We had a had a, one of our church plant planting. Uh, resource people was talking with a pastor out here in a rural area and uh, and he uh, 
he said to, to Fred, or I mean to Wayne, he said, uh, we're, I'm going to take our church contemporary. We're, we're moving to be a contemporary church. And uh, Wayne was thinking, you're out here in rural Tennessee in an old established church, and you're telling me you're going to take it contemporary? You know, I hope you have your resume ready. You know, you're, you're going to need it. You know, he said, well, what do you mean contemporary? He said, man, we've just ordered Baptist hymnals. <laughs> and it was all Wayne could do to not just burst out laughing. Yeah, exactly. you, know, you know, for him, for that church, moving to a Baptist hymnal was away from shape notes was really contemporary. Yeah. Now, we chuckle at that. But I'm telling you, most of our churches are still back in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of thinking about cosmopolitan, you know, uh, a melting pot, we're, we, we haven't caught up to anywhere where we are today, much less the other. Now, what's going to take, it's going to take some young pastors who, who do that reading, Brother uh, Law, and who begin to work the, the state convention may introduce some things, but the 2,300 of the churches of the Tennessee Baptist Convention run under 100 in Sunday school. The, the others, you know, we have, uh, well, we, we don't, you think of, you guys are in the top 1% of size churches. I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a large church, you know. Uh, when you start trying to, you may get people to, you know where you are, and you're trying to get, get this congregation even thinking about that melting pot and how do we change our methodology, how do we take some different approaches, how do we get out of our box to, to touch our community and, and somehow reach them and, and disciple them, develop them uh, as faithful followers of Christ. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's going to take some, some of these young men that are in seminary today and who, aren't, or who haven't even reached seminary yet or involved in some dynamic church. It's going to take some of them having some visions and dreams, and they're going to do church differently than what you've done and I've done all these years to reach those folks. It, it is uh, for, for, for Tennessee. We're hearing stories in other states, but, um, and, 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 but we, don't, we don't know yet. But, but let me say, GPS is a 10-year emphasis, and so every two years, just like 10 and 2010 and 11 was across Tennessee doing just what we've done. Next year, they're reaching across Tennessee. Is that attractional event? Uh, and, and that material is getting ready to come out to the pastors and to the associations. Uh, we had to hold off because to have introduced it prior to what we've just done would have just brought chaos and confusion. But uh, the emphasis will be that attractional event. But then, doing the prayer walking and the invitation like we've done for this to that particular event, whatever it may be. And, and then, and all the way through 2020, there will be some different uh, emphases, like uh, serving across Tennessee. What kind of service events can you do? That'll be 2014. And uh, start something new type of emphasis. And, and that'll come up back here, and then we'll come back. Our, our daughter and son-in-law are in Louisville. He's a missions pastor at Highview Baptist Church there. And uh, they, they have a, uh, a couple, is, is it Iraq or Iran? Iraqis. Uh, that they, they have had into their home. Uh, they've even, uh, the Iraqi couple has even babysat for them. Uh, 
you know, for their little girl. They've done things for them. They are, they are, they're in a continuing relationship. And uh, uh, it's not always convenient, but they're, they're, they're intentionally developing relationships. Uh, I think one of the things we're going to, well, y'all will shoot me on this. I, you, you call Randy Davis, my, our exec, <laughs> tomorrow. But I, I tell you, one of the things we may need to, to, to do is instead of having a Bible study on Sunday night in a discipleship class, if you ever have, even have a discipleship class, is, is to do some kind of a book study on the Hindu faith, the Muslim faith. And we've got to do some things to educate our people uh, and ourselves uh, on what do these people believe? Where are they coming from? Really, what is Sharia law? Most of us know much about as much about Sharia law as we've heard on the news. And, um, and so how do, we, how do we expand our understanding? We have to, just like a missionary goes in and learns the culture, somehow we have to learn the culture of those who are coming in here so that we can even begin to have any kind of a relationship. But I believe it's not going to be preaching that's going to win the Muslim. It's going to be the relationships and the sharing uh, of, of them seeing Christ actively living in us. And, and that's, that's not going to happen overnight. Uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion in America today. And the world our, that we've grown up in, our, our grandchildren won't, won't know anything about it. So, well, Alan... Okay, we're. I'm holding y'all over, but I'm not trying to rush you. If you if you want something, it's. But uh, Larry might not want to stay any longer either. So, <laughs> no, I know y'all. I'm just messing with him. But uh, I appreciate you being here. I, I knew he would be encouraging to us. I, I know how he lives. I know he cares about what he does, and uh, we have a challenge. I mean, you know, we've just finished this study. We talked this morning about our our mission and our testimony and. And, and work trying to work that out, but we're just the local church has not been successful at doing that, and uh, and Christians are not. We've and part of it is our fault. Part of it is the world has pushed us away. But but as far as I can tell from Scripture, that command hasn't changed. He said, "Take the gospel to the world." So and if God is that, if Jesus says, "All power has been given to me, and I send you," there's nothing out there that can stop us from doing that except ourselves. We may have to rethink it. We may have to go at it in a different different direction and do some things. And it's a challenge for all of us. And uh, I shared with my class this morning, when I went through the evangelism class in the master's program I was in, we had to go out and write up two witnessing events every week. And, you know, you, it's kind of funny. You think, okay, I've got to get two of these in, which shouldn't be the attitude. But the thing about it was you, when you went out every day and realized that you needed to witness, at least you, they were always there. You never had to look for them. You were just aware, and you were open, and they would run over you most of the time and give you an opportunity to share with them. And so the problem is us. We're too busy. We're not looking. We're caught up in church and ministering to each other and having a healthy church and taking care of each other inside these walls is vitally important. But if we're not bringing others in, then really we're just feeding on ourselves, and we're not, we're not New Testament. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, and and uh, and Lucy and I've talked about it a lot, you know. And we've both got family that are lost. I, I've got a brother right now that still is. Larry uh, walked through that with my dad years ago. I never dreamed he'd ever get close to being saved, but he did. <laughs> so you never give up on people, and uh, 
and he got to baptize him, and, and that was a cool thing, too. So, so we go way back. We can talk a lot about our stuff, but thank you for being here. I hope you guys have been encouraged by it and realize that, that even in our TBC, there's people there that care and are really working hard and trying to help us and trying to motivate us to do things. And guys like him out there that are not only talking about it, they're doing it as well. If you go eat with him, he's going to witness to the server. I, I promise you. He's going to open those doors. So, and he lives that way. And so that's why I was encouraged to have him here tonight. So, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you. And, uh, and I, I, my, my closing statement would be just to say this. You may not have, have it all packaged where you, can, where you feel comfortable in explaining all that Christ is doing in your life and how to introduce someone to him. But, but I want to say to you, you have something to share. Amen. You really do as a believer. You have something to share. And, um, and you have something to give. And you have, a, you have someone in you that will serve. And so if you're a willing witness, I promise you there are seeking souls out there, as Alan Amen. just said. Amen. And where your pathway crosses and the Holy Spirit prompts you, that's a divine appointment. And uh, you never know what God will do in that. Don't beat yourself up if you don't have, see every opportunity. Or every time you come together, it doesn't work out to share. Don't beat yourself up on that. But look for those opportunities. And, and you'll, when, when God makes that, you see it, that is a divine appointment, which will be exciting. Amen. Let me just close the word of prayer again, just to thank God for this time. Father, Just uh, we just pause for a moment just to... Uh, to glorify and honor you tonight, Father. You have blessed us so much. And Father, as uh, we have just sat here tonight and talked in depth and, and open about evangelism and about the call you put on our lives to reach this world, I just thank you for Larry's heart, for his honesty, for his openness, for his willing to, to share, and, and for the work that I know he does daily. Father, I pray that it challenges us. And, and through this study that we've been through the last few weeks and through this focus of GPS and, and all the other things that's going on, Father, just to give us the courage and to help us to see that, uh, that the burden's not on us. We don't, we're, not, we're not accountable for the results. We're just accountable for being there and sharing your love with people. And, Lord, uh, just to help us to do that. I thank you for this church, for each one here tonight, for, your, for their hearts. And, and, God, just may we be a light in this community to reach lost people for Jesus and not just be a church up here that we ask people to come and see what we're doing. Thank you for this day, for the blessings of life. And, I, Father, again, I just thank you for my friend Larry and all he's meant to me. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.